So today I have two friends instead of Santos. One of them's name is Gabriel. Hello. And I have Aaron. Hi. They're two, two friends that I've known. And they both also happen to identify... As queer. Yeah, which is... So I'll, I'll start with you. Have you been watching anything? Anything you stuck um, out to you this week? I've been trying to catch up on Handmaid's Tale. Um, five episodes in. Still trying to finish that. And I started Leah Remini's Scientology show. Uh Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I was really interested in Leah Remini. I was listening to a lot of, like, interviews where she talks to, like, Joe Rogan about the whole issue and about... Because she's, like, on her second season, right? Or, like, third season? Yeah, second season. So what I think is interesting about Leah Remini is because she's kind of inherited, like, the deconstruction of the Scientology genre. Because it started with Going Clear. Like, Going Clear, the HBO doc really made like a concerted effort to change the narrative around Scientology. Even though most people knew it was bullshit, but Leah Remini kind of inherited it in a more like streamlined kind of series where she just talks about like various people's issues and things like that. Whereas Going Clear was like a kind of like an overarching history and like background kind of thing. So what did you think? What do you think about it? I don't necessarily like the format because it's just her and this other man sitting down and the first episode they, they're just on reddit and they're answering questions that they've submitted through reddit and that's pretty much just it and i don't like that format that much okay and that's interesting you bring that up because that's also a reality tv show right yes which is something that this is our first time we've ever done a reality tv show because we've stuck to pretty much like narrative tv shows or like comedies and stuff like that what about you aaron you've been watching anything handmaids but i'm like way behind but we're the same exact thing we're watching together and it's and so good elizabeth moss is also she's in a scientology that's what i tell him is like the biggest oh, thing yeah so, i totally forgot about so watching the show it when i it just sticks out like a sore thumb because i'd already known and like when i saw her in the west wing shortly after that that's when i discovered i'm like oh okay she's getting into it and then watching this i can't help but think in so many different scenes i'm like are they is, are they cool with this? Like she can do you know the like the sleeping the the like murder everything that's just going on. It was just weird. It's hard for me to separate that person from the character. Yeah. Watching the show, but the show is so good that yeah, I'm like I don't care really either way. I, <laughs> I'm I keep finished it. I think I finished it this year too or last year. I can't remember, but I think it's really fucking good. So you're fully caught up to date. Yeah, and I read the book too. Okay, so does the show do the book? No, it, it no? totally diverges. For me, and I don't know if you guys feel this way, it feels like the whole Scientology thing is just a little bit oversaturated. Yeah, definitely. Like, even though when you said two seasons, that's why I was so shocked. Because for me, it feels like she must be six seasons in now. Like, and it's still going on. Yeah. But it's one of those shows where, like, it was topical when it came out because it was, like, okay. So this is the difference between something where you get, like, a concise story about a topic is it leaves you wanting a little bit more, right? And I think that's where her show picks up, where, like, Going Clear went into the inner workings of Scientology, the state that it's in, and stuff like that, but she really goes into more the specifics, and she picks up kind of from that storyline, but it kind of, it's just, like, diminishing returns. Once you watch it, you're just like, all right, this is going on for a little too long. Yeah. That's why I only watch her interviews and shit, because I I also don't like reality TV, which we'll get into. Uh, Well, we finished Broad City, and Uh, Broad City's final season is season five they got canceled? one more season wait uh, no what? they said they're gonna end it after season five i thought it was better than the last season i think this was their best season yeah 
I still think they're funny. Yeah, they're, they're really I funny. They I mean, really I think well. they, they also bring a lot of uh, things that need to be brought onto TV. They use their platform really well. I think so, too. Even though we might not always agree with their views. They, yeah, like the whole Hillary thing, yeah. it, it didn't hit for me. But yeah. I still love the show. Yeah. <laughs> so, for me, I've been watching just a bunch of Netflix stuff. I finished Santa Clarita Diet. Well, okay, so what did you think though. of the season two finale? Of what? Of Santa Clarita Diet. I'm still on the oh, first season, the- but... I, think, I, I know, kind of like I'm I have to be in the mood to watch the show really yeah. or I'm just kind of like uh, I just don't see really I care think I it. think that's the difference between this season and last season last season to me was just kind of noise like okay. I just watched it just to watch it because I was like oh it's a Netflix original so I keep usually, watching it I could pump through it but this one I thought they really came into their own like it feels like they found their voice a little bit okay. where like you know it's kind of like the gimmick is that she's dead and she eats people but I feel like they they kind of go into the issues with that how the husband starts to deal with it and how like it's deteriorating his sanity and stuff like that so i thought this season was a lot better than the first because i felt it's no longer just about the gimmick it's kind of about these characters so i I like the second team i do think that there are a lot of like things happen to just work out and like there's a lot of like yeah plot contrivances or things magically happen for them the kid knows how to concoct ancient cures and like he's like a tech whiz those things are very convenient but I still think it's a fun show. It's it's not a show that's not every- it's gonna it's not gonna be like a critically revered show. Yeah, not everything it, has to make sense. It's a fun little show, and I, I recommend it to people. It. Yeah, I also finished One Day at a Time, which is like the big Netflix show about like Cuban immigrants. Yeah, and I think that show, along with something like a Carmichael show, is trying to bring back the old sitcom format, which is like filmed on a sound set and it has a laugh track. And I think most people have been disillusioned with laugh tracks at this point, where they're just like, they ruined the show for me. Any Sound. laugh, whether it's real or yeah, not real. Exactly. Yeah. But I know a lot of people are disillusioned with that, and they prefer sitcoms without it. So I think these shows is, what they do is they have very topical episodes where they'll tackle, like, the daughter coming out, and she's a Latina, and the way that Latinos internalize that, and the way they are okay with it but they're also not okay with it because it's it's a cultural they're okay with it if it's from a distance exactly and it's not yes. someone within your family but they're not okay with it once it's you yeah. yeah they deal with that in the show really well because the mom is kind of progressive and like her issue is that she's mad at herself for not being instantly okay with it and i think a lot of like the the heartwarming stuff or like the emotional weight of the show comes from her interaction with her dad and his reaction to her being gay and i think the show does it really really well and it's like the resurgence of the sitcom like it feels familiar but it also feels new and it feels topical and it feels like they know what they're doing kind of thing i've watched the first episode um the mother is dealing with depression too yeah so she deals with pts so her husband's not dead is he just away no the husband's alive they're just separated okay and he's he he decided to go private security in afghanistan and that's that's one of those shows where like you know that that character is gonna have like a big narrative in it where like he's not in it all the time but when he's in it you know there's gonna be like drama and i think they deal with that pretty well uh but other than that that's it you guys want to get into it so today we're doing queer eye which is a show from netflix that's made a lot of waves and it's a pretty big deal, I guess. Very. And we're we're kind of, I mean, I I'm late to it. I haven't seen it. You guys have both seen it. So it was created by David Collins. Well, at least he created the f- 
first series. I didn't look up any of the writers. I didn't look up any of that shit because I don't even know if there is writers. I don't know if there's anything like that because this, this is kind of unfamiliar territory for me. You know what I mean? Like, what you mean, reality TV? Yeah, reality TV. I don't really deal with it at all. Is there a writers' room in reality TV? Yes. I believe so, but I'm not sure if it's at the scale. I think it's dependent on the yeah. show. There's there's some shows that are heavily like they're they're dubbed reality, but there's clearly just like the housewives, like the hills, the hills team of writers, and they're the ones who are like, we're gonna meet here, we're scheduling. You guys have to talk about X, Y, and Z, so on and so on. In terms of Queer Eye and this version, I don't know that they're doing that. A lot of the interviews that I've read about and I've watched. They talk a lot about it being genuine. They they didn't plan this. This wasn't, you know, scheduled. So it's hard to say. I don't think they reveal enough for us to fully know. Okay. I think there has to be some writing just based off the shots in the first episode. The way they they take some of the shots and some of the cast. It's just, it's so well planned. And how they get them walking out of the truck or like stepping out. It's just... I think what you're addressing is more the edit. Okay. I think there is an yeah. edit. Especially for pilots, they have to do that. Like, we don't yeah. see that later on, but for the pilot, they have to do that sort of, we're introducing these fabulous people, and you get to love them, so. Yeah. It seems kind of, I don't know, it just seems... A little much? <laughs> Not a little much, but if you don't have a script, and you're just relying on the talent of these five men to pretty much carry you on for a whole season, I don't feel like that's reliable. I feel like there needs to be a script for a show like this. Really? Okay, all right. So, I didn't want to get into it yet, but I think there's a lot to be said about the space that reality TV occupies in culture. Reality TV shows came from a place of, we need to put something out, we need to put it out fast, and we need to put it out for cheap. It came at a time in culture, at least uh, in the 2000s, where ratings were down in the dumps, and there was only a few shows that dominated, and studios wanted to rebuild their audiences so they they would put out these shows that were really easy to produce really easy to make and that was kind of like the quote-unquote golden age of reality tv show but of course there was reality tv shows in the 60s and the 70s with game shows and stuff like that i think for me i can't escape that at least like the history of of tv where it kind of comes for me from like a dark place where like it's not about narrative. It's not about art artistic integrity. To me, I can't escape from the fact that it's a money grab. Because Netflix has put out these these kind of docu-series, which I think is different from a reality TV show because they focus on a certain topic, but it's always... There's like an artistic pulse in it. Chef's Table, Ugly Delicious, like all these shows. These, these are particularly with food, which reality TV show mostly or a lot of the time deals with food. Let's introduce the characters. So first one is Bobby Burke, who is interior design, and he basically redoes any living space for them. Karamo Brown, who focuses on culture. Tan France, who's fashion and redoes everything they wear. Anthony Porowski, who's a food and wine expert. And Jonathan Van Ness, who focuses on grooming. So the first episode, it's titled You Can't Fix Ugly. We're introduced to this guy named Tom, and the queer eye cast heads over to his place and they identify his emotional baggage and any other problems he needs that need to be fixed and that's what this episode mainly focuses on yeah and then at the end they just there's like the big reveal of like yeah how he's doing on his own what they taught him and how he's handling it on his own are you familiar are you guys familiar with I'm the not. original so i used to watch it when i was a kid uh 
it, I didn't watch every episode. I wasn't like now it's so different because as an adult, you analyze things way differently. Like when I was a kid, it wasn't the same thing. But uh, for me, the episodes that I watched as a kid, I didn't follow every season. For me, that was like one of the shows that I would watch when my parents were at work because if they caught me watching Queer Eye, it was like, what are you doing? What are you watching? Are you gay? Kind of thing. So when I did watch it, it was a much more glossy version than the new one and in the old one they were very like everybody was happy and peppy everybody was almost like the stereotypical gay that america expected and it was like we're not going to dive into deeper issues it wasn't like even in the first episode they try to get a serious tone like when he starts crying and his confidence uh or lack of whereas the original show didn't do that they were very much more like we're here we're gonna fix things and it's not you know as we're here we're queer yeah like traditional yeah mantra exactly so this show does dive in a little bit deeper okay so my exposure to the original show is just based on this documentary i watched in college it was about the different gay representations because it was mostly dominated by gay men versus like gay women or any other of the LGBT. So they talk about like Will and Grace and they talk about Queer Eye and how they pretty much set the groundwork for what queer representation is. So I think that there is, in terms of like a formula or like a structure, it's a similar show where if we were just to to go off of two things, the before and after, it's kind of similar. Like you have a guy or a person and you ch- you change their lifestyles for the better. The typical straight man, and we're going to revamp him. Exactly. So the style of the show is very similar to the old show, and I already mentioned it. The same formula. There's a lot of, like, very brightly lit areas. There's a multi-camera show where, like, you get multiple angles from one shot. And it's a similar reality TV show. There's not really improving on the form. It's not, like, deconstruction of the show, of, of the reality TV genre. It's more, like true to form but in terms of style there's there's not much there do you see anything that makes this show different <laughs> i mean obviously it's very much like a style show or like i don't know a if lifestyle like, show so i don't know if, if going into like minor details makes a difference and like or if you're speaking just in a general sense in terms of like the so the detail things that for me that i thought it makes this show different where i'm like oh this is kind of refreshing it does seem like this version is sort of cater to millennials or more like anyone within even girls from like 14 years old to people that are in their you know mid 30s watching it like even the intro how they sort of like the q and e thing how they do they do that that itself is like it's so different from you know like the love it or list it say yes to the dress all of those like typical tlc e a and e like hoarders or intervent like all of everything else it's so different. In, in so you, you would say it's like more like a minimalist approach. Where like it's not like text on the screen and like these like very hokey and Yeah. So I would, yes. So I'd say it's a minimalist approach and it's also geared towards a younger audience. They're trying to keep it young and fresh. Whereas the other ones are more like we are definitely targeting those Midwest moms who are at home who want to watch those kind of hokey I shows. I can see that because I didn't see like, I mean, there's also other reality TV shows where like they'll add in like the slapstick noises or those horns or things that just make it obviously like a reality Mm -hmm. TV show. And I think what the show was trying to do, and I don't think it always did it well, is it was trying to make you feel like this wasn't a reality TV show, which is obviously 
the name of the game, which is never really a thing because you always know it's a reality TV show. But I think, and I wrote this down for the themes, one of the things that really shows the, the, the themes is that they're trying to differentiate themselves from existing reality TV by this minimalist approach. Because I had noticed it too. I just couldn't put it to worth. For me, I'm not big on reality TV. I didn't watch it much, and I just, I'm not a big fan. Yeah. So, but you guys, you guys watch RuPaul. Oh, I yes. Yeah. Yes. And you watch a lot of food TV. Yeah. You talked about watching I Top. I mean, I watch Top Chef, but it's not like, I don't follow it. Like, I'm watching old, te- like, I'll go on season 10, season 9, season 13. They're not, like, those are old, but I just go on Hulu, and I'm like, oh, I love food, and I love their format, so I watch it. How does RuPaul exist? Like RuPaul's shows, I mean, how many shows does he have in rotation at once? He just has the one show. Just one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is? RuPaul's Drag Race. And this is the first time they've done, he had two different shows, like All Stars and then just regular RuPaul. So what's the difference between All Stars? And... All Stars is when you bring back former contenders okay. and they get to compete for the crown again since they didn't win it on their season. Okay. And how does that exist to you? Like, what is what does that show represent to you? What does it mean to you? For me, I think I see a lot more of myself in that show just because I get I get to see uh, queer men express themselves without really being judged for who they are. And a lot of them are very feminine and they're in a safe space. And I get to see that and I get to sit back and like be comfortable watching it. In Queer Eye, when you see them going into the restaurant with to get Tom, and I've told him this, I don't feel comfortable for them just because they're around those, like, those people don't make me comfortable. Yeah, see, I think that's one of the moments where you see the seams. And there's a thing about that. Okay, so we talked about this and I told him, like, for me, I've been to the South. I've been to multiple states in the South and I have never felt, and I don't know if this is because you're more flamboyant or more feminine than I am. So for me, it's like there's a comfortability issue or if it's more just because I don't think about it as much. Like for me, I just go into an area and I'm like, oh, I don't really pay attention to who's around or if they're uncomfortable with me. And then they talked to Jonathan, the grooming guy, and he talked about that. And he said he grew up in a small town of like 30,000 people. And he goes, I remember at a certain point I was holding hands with Karamo. And we walked into the diner and we're holding hands. And literally he said, I he- I heard forks drop because they were like, oh my God. But he didn't even think of that. He's like, I was, I felt at home when I was going to those areas that were more rural and there's not, you know, it's pretty much a bunch of white men and white women. They're older. He See, didn't feel that uncomfortability yeah. that Gabriel felt. So he, even him watching the show, he's more like, I'm uncomfortable for them. But the cast members themselves didn't feel that. But it's just white people also scare me. So... And especially older white people, I don't feel as safe. And I think Jonathan could feel safe yeah. because he's white, but Karamo's a black man entering into that space. Yeah, and also, yeah. like, yeah. this is this is Georgia. Yeah. This is a southern state yeah. where they're they're not in a urban areas. Or, they're, yeah. they're in, like, a suburban area where yeah. I didn't see many black people. I didn't see them even acknowledge race yeah. in terms of, And they of, purposefully like, went into small cities. Yeah, see, and I mm-hmm. think that that is a part where... You can see that this is a reality TV show because you are all about like curating or very specific about your sample size or what you're going to be representing. And I think that to me, it creates a myth rather than it being like a reality show. I think it's gay enough where people who aren't comfortable with it can watch it, but not too gay to the point where it pushes or alienates the audience that isn't okay with gay men. Yeah, I'm not talking about like it being... 
like a piece of media that's gay. I'm yeah. just talking about it being a piece of media where I can very obviously tell that it's constructed in a certain yeah. way. But that's why RuPaul I, is so different because you don't feel uncomfortable watching these people in that sort of setting because it's a safe space for them and it's a safe space where they're allowed to be who they are f- so freely. Whereas Queer Eye, there's certain situations you're placed in where it's it's just uncomfortable to watch and it just looks so like scripted where it's like, okay, there's no way they're okay with doing this. Okay. And Drag Race, you just get a lot of more genuine actions than I think. But you're saying Queer cool. But I also think, I think he's getting at something that's a reality for just people who feel alienated from certain spaces like just from the construction of rupaul's drag race it's an interior show right it only takes place within that building yeah i think that alone is already creating a space where you know that this is the only bounds the bounds of this building is where you're going to stay whereas Mm -hmm. queer eyes they go out into the world and i think that's why i like it yeah because of that reason that they purposefully went out into areas that were different and that they knew that you know they might not get the warmest reception from people and that's what for me it was more exciting whereas there's times where i've watched drag race and it's a little bit boring because it's like okay we're just surrounded by pretty much everybody's in agreement with one another everyone is not the same person but they you know what i mean yeah i think that's i think that's a part of where the politics of this show lie because being gay whether you like it or not is a political statement in a way, at least in this cultural climate or mm-hmm. political climate. Yeah. And I think them going out there and being themselves is a statement, is a political statement. And I think that's one of the that's one of the elements that I liked about the show and that's one of the elements that I respect about the original Queer Eye, whether or not I dislike it as a piece of media because it's just not for me. But I respect it because it's something, it's that mantra of like, we're here, we're queer, deal with it. Yeah. And that's that's respectable but i also respect rupaul's drag race because it's he created a space for himself and his peers and they don't have to deal with the outside world it's kind of like insulating yourself from the outside world and i think there's something respectable about both so i could understand why people don't like queer eye because it's i think at times it kind of glosses over the reality of of life yeah. outside of the safe spaces you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah. so uh, yeah i understand what, what both of you guys are saying with the queer eye cast i feel like a lot of it it's just i mean four out of the five men don't come off or as very feminine so mm. i think really they can also <laughs> i i feel like the only one who comes off very feminine is jonathan i think the other ones don't come off as I feel like I think Tan comes feminine. off yeah. I feel like you're only They're, yeah I think they, if my parents met Tan they'd be like see and oh, I, wow. I'm not someone who's like an expert on this but I feel like the one the reason why you say that about Jonathan is because he's so animated yes. like he's the most that's like he's but for way most out people, there you don't even need to be that animated like even the just the slightest inflection in your tone using your hands a lot even like with guy i mean it's incredibly noticeable i mean even in how he dresses if he was doing that in georgia if he was doing that even in this neighborhood people would be like there would be a second glance at him it wouldn't be like oh yeah do you think that's something that you've dealt with where like yes. you identify your like you think that you're more feminine and pe- that's the way you come off to people or do you think is that not something that you think about no, I know I know I'm feminine, and I know I come off pretty feminine when I meet uh, people. But I because I knew you before you came out. Yeah, and 
but a lot of what I am has changed since. Yeah, but I think then. it's also just like being comfortable with yourself. Did you know before he came out that he was gay? See, well, that that's that's like controversial, right? Like you can't say <laughs> you know or whatever. But, but did you? He's always had, and this is problematic. But he's always he's a safe spoken. <laughs> he's always spoken the way that he's spoken. Yeah, and traditionally. That's a, that's a dead giveaway. Yeah, so you're just right? going off of things that you were taught. And yeah. I was a kid. Like yeah. we were we were in high school. And yeah. I, but but I not didn't... everyone who has a feminine voice. Exactly. Is... That's, that's why, what I'm saying yeah. it's problematic. But he was just going off of yeah. what he was he yeah. learned. Yeah. It's it's back in the day, different times. But even gay people do that. That's the thing. It's problematic, yeah, but that's people. where it sort of bothers me because even gay people do that. Where it's like we I mean we did it today. We were walking in the mall and we're like, do we think he's gay? And then we go off of literally what is he wearing? What are his mannerisms? So gay people do it too. I yeah. don't think it's like it's not the end of the world to do that. I think to frame it as like four out of five of these guys are not feminine is no, no, not not feminine. They don't present feminine. That's what I'm getting to. I don't think Karamo presents feminine but, in the way that Jonathan presents. But by you feminine. saying that, isn't that you admitting that you place more value on femininity and no, no, gayness? No, no, no. I'm just saying for the other four. I feel like they'd be more comfortable going into situations as opposed to Jonathan going into those those same situations and feeling comfortable. Like, I wouldn't feel as comfortable being a feminine man going into a diner like that. Like, he would. So, I think for you, it's like, I totally get the having that uncomfortability going into that environment. But I don't think those cast members felt that at all. But that's why I I said I don't feel comfortable watching some of those scenes. Do you think that's a sign of the times? For him or uh, for the, times the cast, the cast to not be as affected as they would have. Been. Oh, yeah. I think if it was to be even, what, 10 years ago, I think for sure it would be very different in, in 20 years ago, even more so. But I think now I, I feel like even now there's more of a rebellious attitude towards, you know, millennials and even generations before that. It's more just like we're going completely against the system. And we're not going to listen or abide by it. Okay. All right. I, th- I think that's pretty good. All right. Let's get into the themes. So I think the very obvious one is like the remaking of a man, which is something that bleeds over from the original show. And so when I was watching it, I was like, oh, are these like the five horsemen of like social life? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that so the five sectors that they basically identify is what can improve someone's life which is it's this idea that like there is wealth in extracting from a culture so this show to me is saying that there is wealth in taking what gay people have to offer to improve your life and i think that's something that the original show did where the way that it made gay people or like gay culture more acceptable to population and the wider populace is it said that this is the station that we have identified for them and this is their worth and i think that's that could be problematic the before is this person is not so desirable and at the end of the show this person is more desirable because he's been touched by the gay hand okay so in in a sense i love it and then the other part of me is like okay yeah i can see where there's an issue with that it always, I think it's always been a fun thing being a part of a culture and like if you're gay and you're, you know, like you're one of us, 
because they're persecuted so much, I think that's why this has sort of been built up as in like, we're gay, we're better, we know better. It's just sort of that thing, like, that's why they did it. It's sort of like the gay touch. We can heal all. So if you want to be better, get persecuted? No. If you want to be better, it's more like, let the gays handle you and we can make everything better. I mean, that's the, it's just the saying goes like with the girls who are like, oh my God, there's so many girls who have always been like, I want a gay best friend. Yeah. That's and a trope. We know yeah. a couple of fruit flies. A- exactly. They're called but, fruit flies. Fruit flies. <laughs> but it's, mm. I do love that. I mean, because it does make, I think it's, <laughs> it does. See how much of our culture are we sharing? See, okay, What's no, too no, no. Much? Let him finish his point and we'll get, uh, we'll get we're to influencers. it. We're influencers. <laughs> I think it's nice because it makes a, a lot of America be like, oh my God, you know, gays are special and they have a lot that they can add to society. But in a way, it does tokenize us or it does make us look like, oh, we're, we're this... not just a prop. Yeah, we're not just the ones to be like, oh, honey, you look amazing. No, like, that's not all we're here for. See, I think the project of this show, what this show is trying to accomplish is that we used to be a prop and we were used our labor or our we, we what we had to offer was at the expense of straight culture. Right. Yes. But I think this show is trying to come back to that and say we were that and we find solace in that or we're okay with that but we're also more than that and i think that's the difficulty of the show because i don't i don't necessarily think that it always accomplishes that because just because you say that i acknowledge that you're profiting from my culture or from my labor just because you know that someone's profiting doesn't mean that you have escaped it yeah it's like just because you know that you're oppressed doesn't mean you're no longer oppressed i feel like we're giving too much but we're not getting enough in return with and that's what this show shows the original career was fighting for tolerance and now we're fighting for acceptance but i mean i think as gay men we have a lot of rights compared to a lot of other members in the lgbt community even like even the trans law is about serving in the military yeah like even being a latino in the gay community you still have more, even though you are a small sect that is like, you don't have the same rights and you, you get targeted more so than being a gay white man. They have more rights than trans people within the community. So it's. Yeah. See, I think, I think this show both like is trying to rectify some of the issues that the original show had, but it's simultaneously reinforcing them. So a big critique of this, of this show is it plays, it plays too, like it's too safe. It never delves in into what it should, and, and okay. it plays safe enough so that the audience doesn't feel alienated while watching the show. And that's a big critique that the show. But that's also the project or the focus of reality TV. And yeah. you have to think about, like, I mean, imagine being on working at Netflix and being part of the marketing team. Like, you have to do that. You can't create a show. It's like, you know what? Fuck it. We're gonna go balls to the wall. We don't care what if, if middle America is gonna accept this. Like they're Netflix. They're massive. They have to know that if we're gonna do this and we wanna revive this show that's been beloved by a lot of people, we have to make it palatable for them. So they have to make their their sacrifice. See, I think that's the that's the issue with making reality TV is yeah. where you have to make a show palatable for all the audiences. And not just the- but the issue for me is, and this comes back to money, is the reason you did that is because more people would watch it. Yeah. But nowadays, when you have all the episodes at once, you're not worried about ratings. And the funding for the show is Netflix, which already has a revenue stream, which is monthly subscriber fees. So I think that what Netflix... 
Yeah. <laughs> but I also think that what Netflix was banking on more than anything was the millennial culture that you brought up. Like, they're not necessarily worried about ratings as much. Sure, it's it's an issue, but I think they're worried more about engagement, cultural engagement. And I think the fact that they were so politically tepid or they were more, we just want to make a show about being gay in America rather than, like, the complexities or the nuances of gay culture or uh-huh. queer culture. This is This is something that everyone can accept. Yes, but I don't think you can have one without the other... And I think, I mean, if it's if it's targeted towards millennials, I mean, we're pretty open for our generation. And I'm pretty sure we're the ones that stream most of what's on Netflix. So why worry about the older generation and, I mean, put a, put content out so that they're okay with it instead of giving us content we're okay with. Why is it that we only need to take that and why can't we ask for more? So more than anything, you think it's not an ambitious show. We're like, I don't think so. In its purview, it's not. It's not trying to disrupt. No culture. It's yeah, more I don't to, think they're. I don't think it's they're flowing intent, with it. Like I feel like they're inten- like they didn't intend to make as much waves as they did. I think that this show is not really like a. I think it's a safe show. Like it, it, is a safe show. it one in just the fact that it's a it's a remake of an old show, which is. This is like the fourth show that Netflix has remade. One Day at a Time was a remake. Fuller House is a remake. This show is a remake. So I think it's kind of a safe show just in that aspect where like it wants to take us back to a queer culture, but it wants to fix it. The original Queer Eye versus the new Queer Eye, they definitely do dive more into the political divide and the political issues that are going on versus the old one. The old one would not, would not approach that sort of information. They would solely focus on here's a straight guy, we're going to fix him with, you know, this and this and this, and that's all we're here to do. Yeah. Whereas this one at least attempts in some way, not that they succeed, I think they don't, but in some way they try to dive into what's going on in America and the problems that we're facing as a country. You're talking about the entire show. Uh, based on just the first episode, I feel like they tried to do it. Yeah. Like, they, they tried to go over it, but in a way that was palatable. Yeah. Which is, for the most part most liberals agree is compromise because they think that this is the administration of division right so i think that by saying like oh we need unity and this and that that's a very like sweet message but i don't think it's very practical necessarily and i think that's another part of where the show is trying to inject it's like very soft politics i don't think they they delved into politics that much with the first episode. They never revealed any sort of like political affiliation or anything like that. It was very much just like this old sweet man that looks like Santa Claus. We're going to fix him sort of thing. Yeah. I also think Tom said he came off really sweet and more Accepting. comfortable yeah. with these men. And he's one of the better people that they make over. Yeah. He doesn't seem like he's like homophobic or there's like underlinings of homophobia throughout the, the show. Like he jumps right into the whole But as for do you like for, for pilots, do you think Netflix really cares how pilots present, knowing that the whole show's already out and you could just jump from episode to episode? Yeah, I think so. Because so. what we're seeing is a final product. But that pilot is still needed just to get because if like not, a people series are going to turn but it even off with they're rea- not going to watch it. But, like, pertaining to reality TV, like, reality TV doesn't follow a storyline. So you could just jump from... You could start on episode three and not watch episode one because it's a completely different... Yeah, but you guys have mentioned I that agree. they did things in the first episode that didn't appear in the rest of it, right? The first episode is their foot in the door, and they'll change 
things as they go or as they start to like feel more comfortable in their bones but the only thing that matters at least for reality tv show is the structure and this is already a defined structure from the previous shows we talked about politics and another moment where i saw like the injected politics so tom is being driven by bobby and he talks about being married for 13 years and then tom asks are you the man or the woman in the relationship and then there's this very like audible sigh and they're like oh (laughs) we need to explain to you right now how you're being sexist that to me was like all right this seems like after a few takes they're like we're gonna we're gonna do this i think that both shows the seams of like this is no no longer a reality tv show and this is no longer just improv it didn't feel genuine to me it felt like we're gonna take a moment to explain to you what's going on i don't even feel like we got an answer I don't think so either. I think they undercut themselves. I've seen, I've rewatched it. I've seen it four times and it just feels like there's no answer being given to Tom and it just feels like we're back at square one. He did say though. He undercuts We both wear the pants in the relationship. I didn't like John's explanation at all. Yeah, that's still like... The sound in the moment just seems like, why are you using that? That's such a binary way of thinking about it. Like, okay, so to me, I thought what was going to happen. I was like, okay, we're going to get some like nuance here, right? And he's like, no, there is definitely like a feminine and a masculine energy. And I think that for you to think about it is problematic. Yet, I do think that there is a feminine and masculine energy. And I love masculine energy. And he's <laughs> like, okay, all right, well, yeah, we both wear the pants in the relationship. He's like, oh, I like that. That's good. The way it should be kind yeah. of thing. And I'm like, well, you just undercut your entire message. Like, why even stop to explain it? Jonathan. If you're not going to commit. Yeah. But I appreciate that he's being real because... There's so many people that would say that exact same thing, including you, except there's not a camera on their face. So they can either choose to sacrifice their true selves and what they really believe for the sake of being politically correct. Can you believe? And on, <laughs> and on television, or he can just say, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to say what I truly believe. And if it's if it causes a stir, it causes a stir. There's so many people out there in the gay community that are going to be like, oh yeah, I'm looking for a rich daddy. Or but so many people out there that are I, saying they want this and that. And it's like, he he just said it on camera. I mean, granted, it is sort of a contradiction. It's like, yeah, it takes it, away it's from... It's not even just that it's a contradiction. I feel like there's, there can be a better explanation. Whereas even if two feminine men are in a relationship, they're still both men. There's no woman and then there's no man he could have easily said that anyone in, who identifies as gay and as a man they're both men and it's as but simple as that there doesn't that in some but no, way. No, there, there doesn't have to be a masculine uh man in that relationship in order to be considered a man and i feel like when jonathan said that it kind of contradicted what he was trying to explain because it made it seem like you need the masculine man in the relationship and that way you'll at least one person will be identified as a man see because okay it just seems- my issue is more about him saying that we both wear the pants because i like jonathan's explanation because mm-hmm. i think that's that's hard to admit for people where like they don't ever like to admit the times where there's dissonance where we go against our own words and i like that the show did that i like that he was like there's there's masculine and feminine energy but i prefer masculine yeah and he's like no nah, i just undercut my entire thing yeah and i think him doing that kind of provides a little bit of nuance but i think bobby's answer just undercuts the entire thing the entire reason for even having this talk because he still sticks to the binary that tom had already identified instead of just saying like it's problematic to think about it like that if they would have just stuck to their original message about like we're just the same we're all humans if he would have just said we're just two humans in love that would have made sense with the project of the show but instead he says no 
we both wear the pants. So he's trying to use his explanation to explain something that's already foreign to him. I Yeah, I think he didn't realize when he was saying that. I, I honestly don't think that he realized what he was doing in that sense. I don't think he realized like how you took it. He wasn't thinking about it. I think he was just speaking off the cuff. And... I also just think that it's really hard to explain that in a soundbite in like yeah. two, yeah. ten seconds. Yeah. So I, I think that it was an editing issue. I mm-hmm. think, And then especially because Tom's like, oh, well, that's good. Okay, so I think <laughs> another part, like another theme is that the show tries to be, and this is going to be kind of meta for me, but the show tries to differentiate itself from the original Queer Eye, and it tries to have this awareness. It's not self-aware where they're like self-referential and like they're. I mean, I guess I guess it is because there's fourth fourth wall breaks, but it's not like we are trying to recreate Queer Eye in a new way. It's still trying to do this the same thing, and I think its politics bank on the fact that it's topical. It's topical because there's this idea that like being gay is under attack under the current administration. So the fact that this show exists is a form of rebellion. Yeah. And I think that's where the show's attempt to be different lies. I don't necessarily think it's, it lies in the fact that what is being portrayed, just the fact that it exists. And I think that's where the show is trying to make a statement. And the fact that it exists in this current administration versus what they're showing in terms of the content of the show. Does that make sense? So just more in the fact that, like, oh, we exist, but not the content of which exactly. our show exists. More the we're here part of the mantra. Yeah. In, in in the current climate. What do you guys think about that? I, I agree with you. I mean, that's pretty much what the show's doing. It's, it's a way to rebel against the current administration. That's what they're doing. And I don't think it's the best kind of show to watch. Don't get me wrong. Like, it's a feel-good kind of show, but I don't think it's the show to watch, and I don't think it's the show that's really taking the stand and punching the men in the face. So there's a difference between, like, something like Moonlight or something like Call Me By Your Name or this. And I think it's hard to even compare the two because when you pit those two against each other, it's, it's kind of dumb. So the idea I wanted to bring up is the fact that I heard this podcast about this woman talking about how she just wanted to have a space for mediocrity. She wanted a space where, like, not everything has to be this huge statement. Sometimes I just want to turn my brain off and I just want to watch people. Yeah, but sure. I want it to be about my culture. Okay. I want this col- I want this show that I'm watching to be a representation of me, even if it's mediocre. That's yeah. all I want. And I think this show exists in that. Not to say that this show is, is mediocre, not to insult anyone. But... The mediocrity comes from it being a reality TV show. And I think no matter what, I don't care who you are, it's really hard to have a reality TV show. Because to me, like, a documentary is a better version of reality. Yes. Versus, like, reality TV where it's, like, this formula of what you're going to see that's happening. But I think through that formula, you can create those moments where it it shows a good form to rebel against what we don't believe in like there's certain shows that even though there's like even again going back to to drag race it is scripted but there are certain people on there that do talk about certain issues that need to be heard and it it even now it's delving into politics a lot more than it did before just because trump's in office and there are certain things that are brought up that people need to understand and i think that's why there's shows like that that do push those boundaries 
But again, it doesn't have the exact same audience Queer Eye has. So I think Queer Eye doesn't get to those points. But I don't think the people who are watching Queer Eye are necessarily watching exactly. Drag Race. That's it, yes. But I also think that, like, what you're talking about is still in the confines of a formula. Yes. Like, it's, oh, yeah, it they, can they never definitely, escape its structure. And they, I think, to me, those confines make it hard for you to make a grand statement. It's well, not to say that, like, these these spaces aren't important. Because they're, they're super important. It's just the fact that, like, sometimes you're just getting empty calories. And sometimes it's mediocrity. And that's okay. There's so, nothing wrong with that. Are you saying they're they're different or you're saying the same thing? Like the mediocrity and the empty calorie sort of thing? Or I think that mediocrity is empty calories. So would you say... <laughs> so how much would you say, like, percentage-wise, Queer Eye is the empty calories versus substance? Okay, so... Empty calories. The issue... Right. My biggest issues with it was the hijinks and, like, these antics and, like, these... Like, I know it was funny to you guys where, like, they're doing these things or, like, they're just supposed to be, like, these bombastic characters and, like, very animated. But to me, I'm just, like, this shit isn't funny to me. Like, this it's I'm not part of this culture. Okay. And yeah. I also just don't find it funny. And I think... <laughs> there we go. I think that's that's an issue for me, but I don't necessarily think that that's, that's only the issue. I do think that that's, it's just not always funny to every culture. But that's what I was going to ask you because I was going to ask you, do you feel like it's not as funny because you're not part of the culture? So do you feel like there's, because of that, that's why you have that mindset? And do you think it's fair? I definitely think that that's an issue that I'm dealing with with this show where like, one, I already don't like reality TV shows. And two, this show doesn't necessarily feel like it's for me. And that's not to say that just because it's about, like, queer men and they're making all these jokes, that's not the issue to me. The issue to me is that I just don't find it that funny. And it could most most definitely be because I'm not part of that culture. And I do think that's an issue. But I, I still, that was my reaction to it. I'm not saying that the show isn't, isn't if you like the show that you're a lesser person and you have bad taste, I just don't <laughs> think that... This show was... It didn't hit for me. Growing up queer, man. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I definitely don't think it's mediocre. I don't think this show's mediocre at all. And I also think just the construction of the show, like the format of the show, at least in the first episode, wasn't great. Like, I think there was this imbalance of each of the dudes. Like, one, why the fuck was even the food and chips? Like, why the fuck was the food <laughs> Wait, and wine guy? You're here? nodding, Michelle. Why that I'm was nodding. so fucking ridiculous. Like, why was... Why did we need okay. to see? Okay, so he talks about that. Let me. Fit. Why did he need to be there? There was no reason for him to show this like bullshit white <laughs> construction of chips and guac. It's Greek yogurt. And he put Greek yogurt. Like what the fuck? There's this whole like theory that he's not even a a chef, and he's like the most useless cast member on the show. Oh, that's not a theory. I watched the first episode, <laughs> and he did not need to be in this shit. His camera time seems the most staged. Like, definitely. Even the way when he's slicing up that uh, avocado, like, the presentation on the counter just seems so neat. And it's like, this isn't really how it is. And they make it they make it seem like it's 
some sort of complicated recipe and he just dumped it down for you but it's already a dumped down honestly recipe. they should have just he should have just been absorbed into culture because i think food is part of culture it feels like an issue with the construction of the show because if you're gonna have someone who cooks right and that to me just makes the show feel like it's trying to bite off a bigger piece than it can chew yeah if yeah. you if you include him as food and wine that's that the the project of that is to recreate his lifestyle or his eating habits, right? Yeah. But you can't do that With in this little time. And guacamole is not going to fucking change your life. <laughs> anyway, all right. So I think we covered the themes. And what we do here is we give it a rating based on... Well, I guess you can... All right. Since you guys have seen the entire series, you can give it broken TVs on the entire series or the entire season. Out of five, right? Out of five. All right. So from one to five... How many broken televisions is this show or season? Um, I'm going to go with... I think I scrutinize the show a lot more than Aaron does. I give it two and a half to three broken TVs. Just because I feel like there's a lack of representation. It doesn't just have to be five queer men. You could have mixed it up a bit. And I don't like the fact that they touch on politics, but they... It just seems like a compromise every time they touch on them. And that's based on the entire series. Yeah. That's based off, yeah, the entire series. Okay. All right. What about you, Ed? Well, I like the show a lot. I can't wait for season two, but I still give it a two out of five. Just because, well, also... You're going to toot it or boot it? I'm a boot it. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. We're introducing a new segment up in this bitch. All right. So the new segment is toot it or boot it. No, I'm gonna well, boot. <laughs> no, I feel bad. No, can you believe? <laughs> I mean, no, I still gave it a two out of five, just because like my, I'm really critical of both movies and TV shows. So even though I like something, I'd, I'm not gonna give it like I love watching it. For me, it's like a guilty pleasure. I'm gonna watch the second season nonstop as soon as it comes out. I'm gonna I, watch I don't it think it's episode. a guilty pleasure. I think it's mostly pleasure. Okay, yeah, for you, pleasure. Yeah, Aaron thinks a lot because of I think I think just based guilty. on this conversation we've had today, it's a lot. Of you pleasure. enjoy the show. I do a lot, and you defended it quite a bit. So does that factor into your score? Do you want to change your score? You can I, give. No, it. I still say two. You I still say like, two. I still I say like two. I think that if no, I, I think if it has a lot of faults, it's fun to watch, but. That's where I look at it as like so. It's a no. below average show to you. Yeah, I think they yeah, could like do better, but I still have fun watching it. The show, the final constructed product, is it a mediocre space? No, I wouldn't say mediocre. No, I think they're just struggling to get to their full potential. So no. no. So is this gay excellence? No, not at all. <laughs> I don't like reality TV shows. I don't like this show and i i mean i don't know i think there's this sense of like hypnotism when you watch reality tv where no matter how much you dislike the show it just draws you in because that's the way it's constructed it's a formula that's been tested and it just works like no matter what even if you don't like what you're watching you can't stop watching because it's on tv and you have nothing better to do so i think this show it has a little bit of a heartbeat and I felt it at times. But I think just the construction of the show and the fact that it's trying to inject this awareness based on the fact that it exists isn't enough for me to think, oh, this is really disruptive. This is really subversive. This to me just feels like another another reality TV show 
So I think it was okay. I would say I'd give it to two broken TVs. I mean, I think this is a mediocre space, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think this is a this is a show you watch just to turn your brain off. The issue is just that it's a casting thing. It's just we're going to cast this diverse set of people, but we're not going to acknowledge that they're diverse. Yeah, I'm going to stick with uh, two broken televisions to maybe 1.8. It's more weighed down by being a reality TV show. Because if this was a docu-series, I think they could have done a lot more. I just think they're weighed down by their genre. Um, Alright, so the last thing we do is the predictions. So this one is kind of pointless because we already know how well it's doing. The fact that this show has made waves in culture, it's so it's such a big deal that if they don't renew it, which I think they have already been renewed, right? Yeah, I believe For so. The yeah. They already started filming. So beyond the second season, how far do you guys think this show will go? I would say at least to season four or five. Yeah, I think if they continue at the smaller, I think if they do like eight to twelve episodes, I'd say at least season four or five. I think. Maybe until season four or five, just because it, if it continues to be just them making over just men, or if it follows the same formula, it's it's, it's bound to get boring. And I think people are not going to be as bound engaged. to, meaning it's already not boring. I don't think it's necessarily boring, but I think it's going to get there. Would you say Would you say that RuPaul's show is more radical in its queer identity? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, is this like a show that's a tier below in terms of queerness? Oh yeah, I, I definitely think I think, I think RuPaul's tiers. RuPaul's a lot more scripted, but I think it's a lot better than a Queer Eye is. I guess my answer would be three seasons, maybe four seasons. They already have the second. I don't see the show going too far, but I think that from now on, they will be having longer seasons I, I think it'll be going more than eight episodes passengers we have landed <laughs> uh our stewardesses will be coming out soon go ahead and say something we know you have many choices when you fly we'd like to thank you for choosing pilot boys if this is your final <laughs> destination we'd like to let you know that it is 7 49 p.m so we'd like to thank you for choosing us when you fly uh thank you ladies So for today, we're the pilot bitches. <laughs> and only for today. Oh, probably. <laughs> All right, y'all. Peace. Oh, we got to do the very masculine voice of that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Peace. <laughs>